Welcome to the FTBL Podcast. I'm Kevin Ayers. Nicholas Rapullo joins me on the mics as we sit down with Western Sydney Wanderers CEO John Satsinas. Welcome to the FTBL podcast. Thank you for having me. It's going to be a big season ahead. Certainly exciting on a number of fronts, particularly for us, but also for the league. And um, we, um, we've been eagerly awaiting this season from a wondrous perspective for a long period of time. And a lot of things have come to the, come to the surface at the one point, the stadium, the training facility, and, um, and the league, uh, the new league coming in as well. So we're very excited and uh, look forward to seeing our fans back at Parramatta. It has been a tough three years for you. Um, how important was it to know that this was this was ahead of you? The the easy part was knowing that there's a plan. You know, these weren't arbitrary comments where people just said, "Well, these are you know these are our plans. We're going to do this in five, ten years, fifteen years or so." We've only been in the competition for seven years, and there were there were concrete, concerted plans in place for it to happen. So we always knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel. It was just a matter of navigating our way through some treacherous um, um, times and um, obviously you know, losing some couple of coaches along the way didn't help and um, it was a perfect storm but uh, we always had the eye on the, on, on the end result and that, ne- that never wavered. You have only been in the A-League for seven years. This new HQ that we're sitting in today with all the pitches and everything else, you've catapulted yourself to the head of the queue, really, haven't you? Yeah, look, we, we you know, it's not about about being in the, in the queue for us. It's about being the best we can possibly be, and and not only for our club, but also representing the Western Sydney region. You know, I'm born and bred here, and I've always resided here, and uh, certainly um, as as a as a um, uh, inhabitant hab- of the area, and uh, I, I'm glad to see the area is grown, but also it's football. Uh, team that represents all regions and there's been a number of clubs here and in, in the state leagues and, and we respect them over the period of time um, but we all come together and that's what important in football to come together and the region itself come together and exhibit itself at the highest national possibility The um, the new A-League structure how is that is it going to make much of an impact this season do you think? Look uh, we're still in you know we're two weeks away less than two weeks away from the start of the season and uh, we're still in a transitional phase um, all the all the ugly things and the, and the things that people don't want to know, but you know the legalities and and the transitional elements uh, still are yet to be um, uh, formally uh, settled upon. And I think that takes away from from um, the ability for the league to have a, a very seamless um, move into the season. But it's all done for the good of the game and. Um, and I believe that all parties have come together believing that it's good for the game. And um, uh, you'll see elements of that this season. But I think the hope uh, for next season is even greater than what's, um, what's been proffered for this year. Yeah, because I think there is an element of disappointment from some par- parts of the fans. That, you know, the 100-day marketing blitz that yep. we were promised for the A-League season start just doesn't seem to be there at all. From what I can gather, there is this um, issue with the clubs not actually all agreeing necessarily on the, the correct marketing structure for the, this season and being pulled in different directions as a result and as a result nothing's really been finalised on a nationwide scale. Look I, I don't know in terms of the not ingredients of all that in all that there's specifics that are done behind closed doors notwithstanding these you know but what heartens me that this rigorous debate 
in terms of what is best for the league. And if there's rigorous debate and any plans put forward is tested properly, then it can only be good for the game. And if we need to take the time to make sure those debates are held, those dialogues are, uh, are conducted, and everyone is involved in those conversations, then it can only be good for the game and the broader scope and spectrum of, of its representation. The other uh, obvious issue that's obviously ongoing at the moment is the number of visa players that... Uh, the clubs want versus what the the sport perhaps wants. Where do you sit on that one? Look, there's there's pros pros and cons in terms of the argument. Um, certainly, for for an, the opportunity for younger players to come through is always paramount and needs to be paramount for, not only for the A League but also for our players to represent at other leagues across the world and um, and also represent their socceroos. But we need to take smaller steps in terms of making sure that that happens. And, you know, there is a debate that there's got to be greater um, number of visa players in, the, in place. And that may very well be a case where it, um, it assists in the transitional period of the league expanding, i.e., by that I mean where there is a number of players that need to be found in the next, you know, maybe 60 players found in the next two seasons for the players to... And we need to be a Premier League, and we need to maintain that. And if it's two extra players per, per team for the league for that period of time, I'm fully supportive of it. Um, only if it assists the younger players to learn and, 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 and reach a, a, an augmented level at a quicker rate. Um, but there's an argument also for a reduction in that, but there's got to be a right period of time, because if you don't have more visa players at, at a certain point, the, the inflationary measures of a player who's just a, a first-season player doubles because everyone's going for the same player, and the value doesn't necessarily mean it's better because it's a better player. It's just because you have to have a certain number of Australian players, so we're not really actually reflecting the people that need to be there. And there's conjecture there about the quality of visa players over a period of years, and, and those, those arguments are well-founded. You know, the, you know, the arguments at the third and fourth and fifth player visa in any list are contentious in terms of quality. But You'd like to think that even if those plays don't um, don't uh, assist the league in some regards, you probably you would hope that they assist the younger players professionally on the training pitch at the very least. You have there's a little bit of a different dynamic, obviously, with the new independent A League. Before it, it came into fruition, now you're in a sense working together um, to make the league better. But in decisions like this, you can see, say, Newcastle coach Ernie Merrick, the conjecture there in terms of not increasing the quality of foreign players, but increasing, diluting the quality if you would increase the number of foreign players. Do you think that those arguments are founded? Yeah, like I alluded to earlier, there's arguments both for and against. I mean, it's, it's arguments about timing. Timing, we're in an expansion phase of our league. You talk about quality, yeah, probably it may not very assist in that in every regard, but like I said, it may assist off the pitch. But it also helps settle the, 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 the increased rate, the expansion period in a very short period of time. You need to source those players from somewhere. And it's, it's not 10 players, it's not 12. It's 60 players over two years, which is a phenomenal amount, considering that we're always saying that our young players aren't good enough before these teams have come in. So if they weren't good enough on the international level um, last year, the year before, and the year before that, what makes us going to be... What, what, what's to say they're going to be better right now in the next 12 months all of a sudden? It, it, you know, there's arguments also for wherever you sit in terms of your position at your club. You know, you might have resources to be able to get the visa players. Some uh, coaches might be of the opinion that they should have extra visa players. Others will say, no, I, I don't have that facility available to me and I'd rather focus, and my club is rather focused on being on locally domiciled players. So, you know, there, there are agendas 
within our each of our clubs, but it's also you know the agenda of the, the game itself needs to be accounted for as well. Is there a danger that the smaller clubs, the, the more local regional clubs, may well get very much left behind though under that kind of structure? Yeah, look, the, the, the challenge is always there for that, and we need to be mindful of that. That we can't, you know, for us to have a competition, we've been in a in a fairly regulated competition for the for the first fifteen or so years of the competition, um, and that may very well, you know, still be the case this season and, and beyond. Um, we need to make sure that the other clubs are swimming in the right direction, but that they're able to grow as well. Um, and also add to the value of the league and the uncertainty of the league and the uncertainty in a, in a league in, in a competition sense means more interest in the league, let's, let's be quite clear. So you, you, you'd like to think that any, co- any club in any given two or three year period has an opportunity to win the league. Um, whether those artificial um, regulatory measures are long-term sustainable, well, look, there's, there's a lot of arguments floating around at the moment and there's people around saying, well, you know, we need to deregulate to, to raise the bar. You need to do that at the right time, and, and you need to do that in the right fashion. There's no good us having a a, 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 a competition, particularly where football sits in Australia. You know, in, in a sense that you know Bayern Munich or a Celtic at the moment, and and um, you know uh, any other club uh, competition in Europe. You can, with the exception of a few, Juventus, for example. We are not at that level that our competition is able to, to get through a period where there's one or two teams that dominate for a concerted period, an eight or ten year period. When you have, now that the league's transitioned into independence, but we're mentioning that some, we say, regional teams might get left behind, would some of the regional teams now, like Newcastle and the Central Coast, be in a better or worse position than, say, a regional team like, say, Canberra that might come into the league when straight, uh, straight away as the league's independent? Look, um, I, I think the regional teams are, are, are imp- as important as, as the, the big city teams, so to speak. And I know that. I first had knowledge of it. I was in Newcastle for four years. And, and the passion that it exudes in an area and the, and, 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 and the, um, uh, the ownership of their values that they want exhibited on their team cannot be underestimated in terms of their value for a competition. You see that you know, uh, uh, in Newcastle and Central Coast when they've always had success. That, is an, that brings a uniqueness to the competition, a pride of region, and it's no different to Western Sydney Wanderers. We've been a pride of the region. We're all proud in terms of what we contribute to the, to the sport, not only from a football perspective, but also the area that we represent. I think uh, we need to make sure that those clubs are, are at the business end of the, 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 the conversation uh, most times than not. And I think Canberra needs to be... I, I still struggle with the thought that our capital city is not represented at the elite football competition. Um, I think that needs to come in um, sooner rather than later. And um, once we have that, then we can identify other areas. But I think Canberra needs to be a... a especially with close proximity to Sydney and, to, and relatively to Melbourne, it can add another, uh, certain attributes, certain uniqueness, certain values that... Um, uh, uh, transcend city regional uh, elements and I think they can breath breath to the table. And as we can see from the Raiders, they are capable of actually uh, producing a grand final winning team or grand final 
competing team at least. Yeah, 100%. And a great number of uh, Canberra youth uh, players have come through and represented on, on, on the national stage and internationally. So um, I think uh, we need to give them the respect as well as uh, the other regional teams that they make a significant contribution to this game. It's true. Sorry, just talking about Canberra, you know, there's there's that Canberra, Monero, Riverina area yeah. as well that they fall in the back catchment. You know, I know I have a lot of friends that are from Griffith, New South Wales. There's players there that are unbelievable, probably could play A-League. And, yep. and if you pop a team in that region... Uh, I reckon you're going to see some of that youth production there go gangbusters. I mean, oh, I think it's long-standing. I know, I know the area very well, and um, the only thing we need to make sure is that the mechanics are in place, the right support is in place, the right structures are in place that are not here for two or three years. Because what we don't want is a owners fatigue that we've seen in the A League in the first, particularly first eight to ten years. Um, and secondly, we don't want um, people to lose interest. So we need to make sure that the pillars are in place that. Um, those those opportunities, those, the, the, uh, the players down there are afforded the best possible opportunity to represent that region in the best possible way on a national and international stage. You talk about getting Canberra in sooner rather than later if we can. What do you think is the ideal size for the, the league? I think we need to aspire to be a 14-team league. And, I mean, there's a, there's a, once, you, once you get to a, a point like that, then you, you probably take stock and, and solidify what you've got. Um, because when you're talking about the next opportunities would be, is it a, and we've heard this on a recurring basis, uh, Kevin, you've been around as long as I have in terms of this, is it a second Perth team, is it a second Brisbane team, is it a second, once you make those calls, you need to make sure that the right calls, um, and they're not, somebody's got the biggest licence fee, it's got to be one that's going to be um, long-standing, build a culture, build a history, because what we don't, we lack at the top level of the game is history. Certainly we've got history in the lower uh, echelons of the game in the state leagues and long-standing clubs that we need to respect and acknowledge. But once you've got a, a bit of traction in terms of what you what you represent, can you build upon that and build a culture and a history and, and add to the history of Australian football that has come to the fore in many guises over a number of years? We have to need to have some consistency and some respect along what clubs have done in the past. And can that new addition solidify, add to that fabric of history in the game, which we, we lack at times. In terms of, you mentioned 14 teams would be your cap on, on an A-League, just well, in terms of just sitting down and solidifying yeah. what you've got. Does that then mean heading straight towards looking at how many teams can you get into a second division? Um, I think the second division uh, it, it needs to be um, certainly another... Uh, 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 on the back of the first uh, topic that we raised there about expansion, the same, and there need to be teams in there that are able to be to be a sustainable presence. Um, you know, noting the challenges that the A League clubs have had, that second division won't. If the A League clubs have got them, they won't be immune to the second division clubs. I think it's an exciting opportunity for second division to be involved. Um, we just need to get it right uh, because um, you know there, there are no second chances in, in terms of uh, either A League and itself and, and the second division. It's a it's a whole pie thing that we're looking at right now in terms of. Um, what we're chewing but we need to make sure that everyone at the table is able to eat properly and make sure that it's a sustainable proposition that an A-League top division, second division, expansion all are harmonious in terms of their execution There's various models being put forward for this second division whether it's you know the traditional clubs coming through and battling out for a promotion up to the A-League or A-League clubs padding out that second division with reserve teams as well. Do you think, uh, do you have a, a strong feeling either way for yourself? 
Oh, not at this stage. I mean, I think you've got to look at the... You got to. We need to respect the the, the, the clubs that, that have a history, but also seek to be involved. And I think they need to be given the opportunity to examine whether they like to be involved in that. If if there aren't enough um, um, sufficient sustainable entities to to nominate themselves for a second division, then you probably say, will the A League club sustain that opportunity? Will the A League club sustain that opportunity and um, and uh, take advantage of it? And work with the second division clubs and um, add to that competition and add value to the competition without the prospect of, of promotion. One of the uh, the reasons that you've got all these extra pitches is the Academy Youth League. You want to see that expanded beyond what it is at the moment? Uh, look, uh, the Academy, I think it's it's no secret the Wanderers are very proud of the, of the Academy setup that we've done here. Um, it's been a, a long-standing project, but also with the view of, of, of providing the opportunity for boys and girls um, to represent their club at the elite level without having to leave here. Um, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities for other clubs to do the same, and if we can do the same, it can only help our game in the long run, plus our national teams on the international stage. But we need to make sure that we're all aligned in terms of the structures that are in place, what competitions they participate in. And it goes to that second division competition. Are they part of that? Are they part of an expanded A-League competition? Are they part of the, for in our case, the New South Wales Premier League competition? And are there certain um, um, regulatory provisions that we're able to make sure that the age uh, opportunities given to those plays in those competitions are considered when participating in the New South Wales Federation competition? So these are all logistical, regulatory elements that need to come together that's no different to member federation discussions that A-League's club, clubs have had over a long period of time. But in anything, we need to be, it needs to be debated, it needs to be tested, it needs to be, but there needs to be a harmonious answer that we're all said long ago, OK, this is the way forward. Talking of harmonious, who actually is running the A-League at the moment? Yeah, interesting I think it's part of those transitional elements. And one thing is, Greg O'Rourke is, is, the, is the figurehead of that. And um, in terms of where we sit, and um, at the moment, I think the transitional period for for the game has thrown a lot of uncertainty. As to your question, it's no different. Uh, I think the the detachment of the A League from the FFA is certainly causing a bit of. Um, uh, cloud over the administration of the game, but I think that'll be resolved in the next few weeks. I have every confidence that, you know, I think that the the, the final the final screws are being put in place, and before there's an understanding of what needs to be done. But I don't think that's harboured um, any difficulties in terms of rolling out the season. You know, you talk about the the marketing. I think that'll just get better with with once everything is settled down. I think we need to make an allowance that this season was probably a challenging one for all involved, including the FFA um, and, the cl- and the clubs. But once there's a, there's a, uh, there's a settled uh, framework, settled staffing element to the A-League, I think there's no excuses and there certainly uh, will be full steam, ahead, uh, st- full steam ahead for everyone. I was here last last week, was it? Week yep. before? Yep. Um, for the launch of the HQ. And Paul Lederer gave a great speech actually when he was doing the unveiling. And saying that, you know, they want you want to be more than a, a club. Yep. It's borrowing a line from Barcelona. Yep. Um, 
How important is that? Because I, I really liked what I was hearing from him about reaching out to all parts of the, the community. Well, you, 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 I'll probably um, redirect it to the earlier part of, of the interview where, you know, it's about Western Sydney here, right? Yeah. And um, I, I certainly feel it, you know, being being a, a native of the area, um, I've seen it where it had no hospitals. I, I saw it, you know, I, I was a five-year-old, I had, a, I had an accident... Um, there was no hospital that will take me on my, and my head was splitting. you probably see the scar on my head at the moment and my, um, my father and my mother I'm bleeding in the back and they had to take me to the city in the Camperdown hospital because there's no hospital here for, to, to take me Black Man couldn't take me at the time so there was no children's hospital in those days so the road infrastructure is not even full it was Parramatta Road and if you remember anything about those days for, for me anyway to go to the city was a, was a, was a day trip so you know I, I Sirens are in the background, which is probably you know, <laughs> it's very uh, yeah, yeah, very. <laughs> but but having said that, uh, so it, it fills me with joy and pride where I see um, people of all denominations, race, creed, um, they come together for a football team. So for us, you know, we can win, and I, I firmly believe this. You know, you can win, you can lose on a, on a day in a football, but what do you stand for? Otherwise, you become another 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 franchise sporting team in Sydney, which is nineteen to twenty two franchises or you know, sporting entities and you just get lost in the whole myriad of things. What do you represent? What, do you, what, what is it? And if you can augment, augment that by, by assisting the community in whatever regards you can. We're strong advocates for the airport. We're, we're, you know, there's, there's the social causes that we campaign for. And it's as prominent to us as any football um, agenda. So, um, you know, the social causes for us are massive. And there's a lot of social issues here in Western Sydney. We don't hide behind that. But if we can add to that or make someone's life easier or uh, advocate for a particular cause, we will do that. And if we believe it's the right thing for Western Sydney, irrespective of whether it's the right thing for the football club. It seems like the, the club has progressed in seven years to this astronomical level. But it's also progressed with the community you know Western Sydney has yeah, there's a side of so much uh, progression in terms of state government funding uh, projects coming out here the city's expanding into greater Western Sydney it feels like the club is looks like just a small microcosm of, of how the area um, is is growing yeah I like to call it the Republic of Western Sydney right so <laughs> um, we're the third highest economic contributor uh, in terms of a city we, you know we're, we're the tenth largest in terms of uh, so we're, we're, we're here in terms of making impact across a number of, broad number of spectrums. There's businesses that are moving from the city out here because it's a bigger opportunity. The arterial roads are here. We've got the, the, the significant number of migrant, op- um, migrant groups here that we, they need assistance in terms of settlement. Um, you know, there are social issues that people look to, to break down their, 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 the challenges that they have from day to day as parents, as, as children. As, um, so we need to make sure that we're able to contribute to, to the fabric of their lives, not only in a football pitch, but also away from that. And if the spirit of Western Sydney can come together and the fulcrum is the Western Sydney Wanderers, then we'll be proud to be able to be that, that, that vehicle. And uh, that vehicle will be a Bankwest Stadium you know, every second weekend or so. But it's also, as you can see here, they can come here during the week. You know, We, we don't knock back anyone. Uh, we're, we're a club of opportunity. We're, we're fee-free, you know, to the owner's credit. We're fee-free. And the challenges of, of, of running an, a football club at an elite level, particularly of this size right now, is significant. Yet, despite all that, we're a fee-free playing for the academy, and it's, a, it's the exception. It's not the rule. And uh, yeah, as you all know, I'm very proud of it. 
and it provides an opportunity for the children of Western Sydney to, to represent if, they, if they're good enough and, 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 and want to stay here. I think it was a fairly open secret that you wanted to delay MacArthur's entry into the A-League for a year to give you a chance to regroup. I like to, I like to sit that straight. There was no, there was no. Uh, and I've had this conversation with Gregor. We never, and I can categorically state this, we never asked for MacArthur to be delayed. All right? What we did say was we don't you know, necessarily believe that MacArthur should be um, um, uh, uh, admitted at this particular point. Not to say that it shouldn't be in a, in a time in the future. But we believe that other markets should have been uh, looked at because uh, there's already another team in Sydney um, and there are other challenges in terms of that. But we never, and I can hand, hand to God say, we never asked for a delay in MacArthur coming in. I think that might have been a, uh, an FFA decision based on, on where we sat in terms of the expansion of this debate. Um, there are other clubs that, that, that were vociferous in terms of their opposition. You know, we, we made our, our, our arguments. We didn't want to... You know, we did not want to spoil the MacArthur admission um, based on sour grapes. If they admitted, great. But our position was we believe that we, as Western Sydney Wanderers, only six years earlier prior to the admission, were told that, you know, the FFA had advocated that we were a team for all of Western Sydney and MacArthur was one of the town halls that we attended to. So I found it very, very difficult and very hard to reconcile that six years later you go to the people of and say actually that model that we offered you back then uh, well we're gonna have to change your colors now or this is the well i'm not a subscriber to that and i think uh football is tribal if you want to make it uh, if we're talking about second division and we're talking about all those you know tribal culture setting standards uh, developing history and you say to a region this is your club but six years later you say oh no actually there's a new club we just need to get another team in here well i struggle with that would you have preferred to expand somewhere else instead yeah, of MacArthur? Yeah, Why I would do. that have been? Well, that's not necessarily for me to, to, to say because I wasn't privy to the... But what I do, what I can say is I know inherently the, the, our history with, with, with the Campbelltown region, that we, the, 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 the amount of work that we've done in that area, the amount of games that we've played in that area. So I think we're in a pole position to be able to assess the validity of, of, um, of and availability of a club going there. That's not to say that that it won't be a, a viable club, far from it. I believe there's a, there's a time for it and there's, and there's an opportunity there for it. I think MacArthur uh, at some point would come in. Uh, I just struggle with the fact that only six years ago there was knocking on the door and saying, this is your team, it's red and black, and then we go, well, circumstances uh, have changed now, you might have to go for this team. Given that you do have a year of clear air, though, is it important to try and consolidate your base Identity, one hundred percent. You know, we, we, but but our focus has never been from other franchises. It never will be. We will not be dictated in our thinking by what others do. We, we, and you can clearly see that from what's been around. We we, we want to be leaders in our regard and the best we can. You can never be. Um, you can always be better in everything. And uh, we just want to be at the forefront of whatever whatever is bold, whatever is new and I think we've exhibited that and I think we've got a commitment from the owners and uh, we've got a fan group that's second to none uh, you, you know uh, the measure of a, of, of a club we talk about communities you know, uh, the Wanderers haven't done well for the last three years but everyone wants to talk about the Wanderers whether they're good or how bad they are or how crap we've been going or how shit the management or whatever it is but that's that's good. That means you feel passionate for your club. That means there's discussion. You know, uh, we share. Um, we share. Our other teams are winning, yet we're still the topic of conversation, which is great. You know, and it shows that you're not dead. 
And once that conversation goes and the passion of the people um, comes to the surface, you can only go from strength to strength, and they will keep you honest. The fans will keep you honest. We've got a very good support group. You will see this year that we, you know, the, you know, there's been a lot of work behind the scenes. Everyone believes in the project. Um, everyone believes in what we're doing. Um, the fan groups are, are, are second to none, and we can, couldn't have done it without them. I understand there has been a lot of work with the RBB and fans this season. Are we going to see a bit of a difference in the way the fans are treated? Yeah, I think uh, it's been a long-standing discussion with police. Uh, there's a different local area coming out we're back into again. Um, we're outside the Sydney Olympic Park precinct and um, we've done a lot of work with Mark Jones and uh, 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 Superintendent of Police and he believes in us and that's been a long-standing discussion going back 18 months way before, probably two years now. And he's a, he's a football man and uh, we're having the opportunity of meeting him, the venue believes in, in what we're trying to do and uh, and, um, and obviously we're the, the only safe standing area in, in Australia which is, and Kevin, you, you, we, we fought for that a long time ago when we were at Pertec and we got knocked back, and we didn't, that didn't um, derail our thinking. We still believe that we needed to afford the uh, a typical or a special European, South American atmosphere as best we can. And I think we're at the vanguard of that, and we're very proud to be able to um, um, provide those facilities for our fans. And, and I, I, I certainly believe that they'll, they'll take advantage of that. And um, together with the venue, with the police, with the with um, with the new A League group and you know and, and the FFA uh, to an extent to where we are today, I think we all can you know in harmony be able to exhibit what this sport is all about. And I think we have the stadium to do it, and we have the fans to do it. So uh, you know, the passion that that uh, uh, the Wanderers have exhibited in the first period of time is something that we we've hung our hat on and we're very proud of. And there's been some challenges on the way, of course. But you know, don't forget, like I said, we're only seven years old. Mm. <laughs> So over the weekend, we saw some of the raucous behaviour of some of the AFL fans after the after the grand final. Does that do you look at that and see the way it's been reported in the media, and then see your camp and be frustrated? Yeah, that, look, you know, you work you work so hard with your active support and the police, but unfortunately, there's that little bit of a grey area where it's well, actually, it's not a grey area. Sometimes it's just black and white in terms of the different code. Those challenges have been long-standing, you know. You know, we've had some some tough times in terms of that, but obviously the you know the reporting side of it certainly made it difficult in years gone by. But what you're seeing more is camera phones used, and so you cannot hide those elements that that, that you know the the same things that you seem to to castigate a football fan over is a, is the is the um, conveyance of exuberance and. And uh, passion in, in another sport. Well, you know, you can't accept that. You know, we, and, and and it's it, it's actually um, reinforces us that, for us that you know the, the messaging now is 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 coming from a number of different outlets. It cannot be controlled. Whether you, you pay a billion dollars for your rights or whether you pay the, the 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 fact of the matter is people can see what people can see, and you, the message is, is as long as the message is a true one there is no agenda in terms of your reporting, then you can see that football is no different in terms of, in terms of who we are as people. Yeah, we should celebrate in a different way, but as, as, as you've seen on the weekend, it's probably not too different to what anyone else does. We probably just do it better. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> Getting back to the team, um, Marcus Babel went into the European signing market very early in the off-season. Was that a deliberate tactic? Yeah, look, uh, we had the Leeds United game coming up and uh, certainly the, the, um, he wanted to make some changes in terms of his squad and 
and there were a lot of inherited players that probably um, you know he, he was able to assess during the course of last year and, and obviously with everything that was going on in terms of infrastructure the planning was you know always hopeful to have a good season last year it didn't pan out that way but um, he's had the opportunity to bring in um, what he believes would would make us contenders you never you know we always have want to have success but you can never make big comments in that regard and um, um, you've seen some of the acquisitions that we've made. You know, it's it's fairly serious in terms of where our our position sits, both in the A League and W League space. And um, uh, we're certainly looking forward to hopefully um, uh, getting some results that that reflect the the acquisitions that we've made in this in this regard. And hopefully, Marcus is able to celebrate with the team and us this year a very successful season. Right, it was injuries, obviously, a blow. Is he likely to be replaced, injury replacement? Yeah, look, uh, we, we uh, probably so. We, uh, we're just finalising the understanding of, of the extent of his injury and the period, but um, yeah, it's unfortunate because uh, Ruddy's uh, starting to come good in terms of settlement. He's a, he's a very effervescent uh, character. He's a great character. Yeah, good yeah fantastic and um, um, very buoyant and um, certainly distraught for him and um, um, particularly... Um, uh, at the you know on, on the uh, five minutes to midnight and where we are in the season, but hopefully he you know he recovers from that. But we need to make sure that we uh, we cover that position, and uh, we're certainly it's difficult ten days to go or so before the start of the season. But uh, we'll certainly be looking to to replace him in due course. If you were Mohammed Adam, you'd be a little bit excited heading into the season. Maybe do you want to see more of the youth players getting a run this yeah, season? Yeah, look, well, our position on youth is is, is very very uh, well recorded. You know, we had 15 players last year. So, so the, my, my my thinking is this: is, is is if you do not collect trophies, if you're not in the business end of the season. What have you done? Okay, there was one season where we did nothing. We didn't. We didn't. We did not do anything in the business end of the season. No final series, but we also didn't promote from within. So then, that's a problem. But last year, while we didn't have a successful season on the pitch, we had 15 players involved in the match day from our academy program, which speaks volumes of where we are going. So now, what we're seeing is. Uh, you're seeing these boys being involved. So those boys last year that might have had seven, eight games, you know, they don't come in cold this year. They've got, you know, to coin a term, you know, they've got hairs in their chest now. They know what it takes to be a first grader, to be an A-League player, to play with these players. And now you've got to work in your spot with these celebrated players that have got, you know, fairly good CVs. And so now we're ahead of the curve. So we took advantage of last year. We played 15, 15 boys were involved in the A-League season. That's an experience. And, you know, you're probably only going to get maybe three, four, five. I don't know what it is. It might even one. But of that pool, you provide an opportunity. And that's what this club's all about. It's about opportunity and what have you done. So if you don't have a successful season, has your youth program been provided with the air, the oxygen it needs to flourish? Because if you do nothing, no success and no youth uh, promotion, then you've achieved nothing in my eyes. Does that come down to the work of Marcus Babel? Oh, look, you know, I think it's a club. It's a club. And when we spoke to Marcus, we said this is what our academy is and this is what we wanted to do. And that's why we last year we had promoted Arthur Dillis to be an assistant coach. So provided the conduit between the youth team. And we explained the structure moving forward with, with Marcus that the youth team coach will be involved in the first time, the first team. The last year, the previous year, we had seen... Um, there wasn't much involvement by the first-hand coach in terms of the youth team, um, and that was significantly disappointing. So we decided to alter the structure, 
um, and um, and certainly uh, we, he was well aware of that, and that provided the opportunity for those 15 players to be involved. And we've also, uh, to further to that, we've now added um, Labby Halidi, a former Wanderers great and Asian Champions League uh, champion, uh, to the coaching staff. Uh, reinforcement of cultural values, and, and he's a fantastic personality. I've probably signed him three times, four times in my career up in Newcastle <laughs> and here, I don't know how many times. And, and we've also got um, uh, Michael Beecham, our inaugural captain, to be assistant coach to the W League. And uh, Dean Heffernan, who also played at this club, he's, he's now leading the W League chart. So, you know, we're talking about, and, I, and I'll go back to the earlier point. You need time to bring history. You need time to bring culture, but you need to be consistent in terms of that. You need to make sure there's a plan in place. And Catherine Canooley adding to that in terms of being a, one of our first players, you know, that in the coaching stage, they finished their careers. Catherine's been with us two or three years in terms of an assistant role. Um, and I've no doubt her time will come because she's passionate about her coaching as well. So if you bring those elements around and you provide the ceilings and you place them in the right place and, and provide enough water for it to grow, yeah, you see something special, something very exciting. I actually been seeing it just today. I, I interviewed Dylan McGowan just earlier today, um, and we were talking about his time while he was in Europe, Portugal, South Korea, Denmark, and coming here most mostly because of the work of Marcus Babbel. But also, he wants to move into managing when mm. um, when he finishes off his playing career, and he sees this as possibly uh, a good place to to begin that. Yeah, good. At that stage of his career. That's good. You know, and I've had a lot of conversations with players like that. They believe in, you know, these players want to come here and, and coach and, and whatnot, which is a great opportunity. You know, this this is here. This is for, for, for if you can make a contribution and you believe in, in Western Sydney and you believe in the Western Sydney Wanderers, then this club's for you, you know. And and um, um, I think that the platform is in place. There's no guarantees in terms of success. But what you can do is provide every element and every ingredient to possibly give it the best opportunity to flourish, and I think we've done that. So, given fast forward to the end of the season, what's your KPIs? What will count as a success this season? Oh, look, you um, just ignore the last part of what I just said. But, but actually, <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no, no. But I, I'm just joking. I'm just, <laughs> but um, but what I'm saying is, you, you want to win. Hmm. You, 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 there's no, you know, second. I've done second, you know, as a CEO here a couple of times, and but we've also had successes here, right? Um, but second doesn't cut it, right? So second is what you might as well come fifth or sixth. But if you had come second, that means you're having a good season moving into that position, right? And everyone has hope, has belief, and you need to provide belief and hope um, for the people of Wessex. And you have had a tough time in the last three years. But always with the eye, oh, there's something better, there's something bigger, there's something... And it's hard to, to actually... Words are just words. Once they're tangible, then, the, then, then your integrity as a, as a club comes to the fore and you can see that the, this club believes in what it says. It's just not walking the walk. It's, it, it, it's, it's not doing the, talking the talk. It's walking the walk and it's making sure that the things you say are the things you're going to do. And with integrity, you've got people that go, OK, well... I believe in these guys, I believe in this club, I believe in these people to represent me and I want to be along for the ride. And I think our KPI is being genuine to people, being representative of the people of Western Sydney in the way they want us to be representative and also being finishing as high as possible. You know, first is always the thing you're looking at. And I don't think uh, Paul Letter has, has indicated otherwise and, I, and my conversations internally haven't been other than that. You know, second is always a disappointment. Um, we just don't want to feel it again. <laughs> Excellent. 
Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you very much. Good luck for the season. Thank you very much. Whoa!